Hi, listeners. I'm Irene Barton, Executive Director of the Cobb Collaborative, and I welcome you to Mind Your Mind Speaks. This is a podcast series that brings together subject matter experts and community leaders to help raise awareness, share resources, and inspire action through recorded conversations about mental health and well being topics. Today, we are delighted to welcome Jillian Palmiato of Together We Care to our program. Jillian, welcome, and please share a little bit about yourself with our listeners. Hey, Irene. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be able to partner with Cobb Collaborative. And, uh, and yeah, we, um, we have a, an organization called Together We Care um, that's only about a year and a half old, not quite a year and a half old. We launched it in January of 2021 um, when we be- began to kind of recognize some of the significant needs that our disability community has um, that were not being met in, you know, just in our our local communities and in the state of Georgia. And so um, so we launched this nonprofit to support them and to um, help connect them to local resources that can help, you know, fulfill their needs and, um, you know, just kind of get their needs met. So it's been very exciting, a very exciting first year. Um, We're now serving about 120 families um, and, uh, and yeah, so it's, it's been a bit of a whirlwind this last year, but <laughs> we're very excited yeah. uh, to be able to help, uh, you know, just help families in our community. So, right. Well, launching and growing a nonprofit in the best of times is hard work. Yes. And, <laughs> <laughs> um, but perhaps, uh, the pandemic and the repercussions of that were, provided even more impetus to you. And and we'll get into that. Um, So, but tell me what, um, do you have a a personal story? Uh, What led you to found this, establish this nonprofit? Um, There are others in this space, but yours has a special niche, right? Yes. Yeah. So we're, we're really offering something that, that nobody else is out there that's that's offering with the particular service that we provide to families and, um, and kind of the, you know, the short version of how I got to where I am now is that I used to be a, um, a school teacher. And then I eventually took on um, something that they call the inclusion class. So if people are not familiar with that, what that is, it's a mainstream classroom where you have some students that are supported through special education that are included in that classroom and discovered that I had a real gift for helping kids just gain academic um, content and meet academic goals and behavioral goals as well um, in the classroom. And so I went back and got my master's degree in special education. Um, and then I, uh, and then my, my local church actually hired me um, about nine years ago to launch a special needs and disability ministry at our church. And so when we, um, when we started that, we had about five families that were attending our church. They kind of called our, our church, their church home. Mm-hmm. And we wanted to really just make sure that we were meeting their needs through our services and, and everything that we provided our events and that sort of thing. And so I came in and kind of launched that for those five families. And over the course of the nine years that I was there, um, it grew to where we were supporting about 170 families by the wow. time that I left. Yeah, by the time that I left. So it was, it, it increased quickly. And yes. um, 
And, uh, you know, we, we recognize that that was also a real need for families that people did not have places of worship where they were welcomed um, and where they were included and where they could find community and a place of belonging. And so because we were providing that, um, you know, it grew fast. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. You don't really have to advertise it. People will just find out and just come. And um, and then in 2016, we began actually training other churches of how to do that and how to, to include um, people with disabilities in their worship services. And, um, and so then that experience was really what led me to Together We Care, because um, the families that we were supporting, um, I, I really got to know those 170 families really well and really um, was able to kind of get in the the messiness of life with them Mm -hmm. and really understand, um, you know, just kind of the dynamic of what it means to be um, living with a family member that has a disability and what Mm -hmm. the needs are that come with that, Um, Mm -hmm. because it is different. You know, it's not, I like to tell people it's not bad, like it's not always a, a horrible, you know, like plight of life, you know, or anything like that, but it is different because our world was really not created for them. Right. And, right, and, yeah. um, and that it's still a lot of, you know, we're still, still trying to do a lot to, um, to make sure that the, the rights and the, um, you know, for people with disabilities, they didn't even have anything in place for them as far as laws, um, that were enacted until 1990. So they really didn't wow. even have any civil rights, uh, you know, pretty much until, until about 30 years ago. So mm-hmm. people are often a little shocked by that. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, that's recent history, right? That's yes. um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, so and Jillian, um, when you say disabilities, are we talking developmental, intellectual, physical? All yeah, of the above? all of the above, all okay. of the above. So our um, our clients range from um, you know from from babies where we get a, a diagnosis in the womb, like something like a um, you know like Down syndrome or mm-hmm. you know things like that um, that we know about pre birth, and so it, so you know from little bitty babies like firstborn newborns um, up to our oldest client that we're serving right now is seventy one, um, oh, wow. and so yeah, so we serve you know serve kind of the elderly population because some of them begin to experience some disabilities with just you know related to aging Mm -hmm. Uh, we serve people with developmental disabilities physical disabilities Um, one that people and and the reason why I'm grateful to be on this podcast today is that people don't uh, all the, always recognize mental health as a disability, yeah. um, but it, it often can be. Um, it Sometimes it is and sometimes it isn't, right? Because sometimes mm-hmm. when we're talking about mental health um, diagnoses, they can be debilitating. And mm-hmm. at, when it, when it gets to that point, that is the point at which it is now has now become a disability when it is affecting, um, your relationships, when it's re- affecting your work, when it is affecting, if you're able to hold down a job or not. So, so even some of our clients are also, um, you know, just have diagnoses of things like, like autism or ADHD, or some of those that are kind of more categorized under the mental health category. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Well, let's, let's get into the weeds a little bit. You talk about services, you talk about um, the fact that Together We Care is serving about 120 families right now. Tell us, share with our listeners, what does service mean? Uh, what do the programs that you offer, what does that really look like for a family 
seeking help with their family member with disabilities or an individual with disabilities who is seeking yeah, assistance. Yeah. So the so the primary um, service that we really provide is that when when a family contacts us and says like we need help with something, you know, and it, it ranges. I mean, every everybody's situation is very different, okay. um, and so it, we are we provide a, a plethora of services, but it all begins with writing a life plan. Like that's really the main service that we do. Um, so when we do an intake call with someone, we will say, what is your emergency? Because they always call us with an emergency. (laughs) They need caregivers. They need camps where kids can be included. They need, um, you know, they need social activities. They need a job, you know, they need financial support. So there's always some type of emergency. And so we really help to problem solve. We really are the team that comes alongside a family and helps them problem solve to think outside the box. Like, let's put our heads together. What resources are out there. And then what we do is we use our large network that we have been able to build um, through through my last career um, as a ministry <laughs> leader, uh, I was able to build a, a pretty large network around Metro Atlanta. And so we use kind of our, you know, just our resource, our network of resources to broker those services for people. So if you need housing, we can put you in touch with somebody who, who, who can help you find the housing. If, we, if you need um, funding to help pay for caregivers, then we put you in touch with all of the, you know, all the organizations that offer that, because what happens is a lot of the families um, either don't know that the resources exist or they don't know how to get them um, mm-hmm. because a lot of the um, a lot of the disability and kind of special needs resources are very complicated to actually obtain the service. And so people will say, yeah, here's this resource. Go figure it out. And then mm-hmm. the parents get stuck or the family member gets stuck because they're like, I don't know how to figure it out. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't even know right. what this application is asking me right now. So we kind of come alongside families and help them fill out the applications. We tell them, you know, help educate them on the lingo because it was special needs and disability, everybody in the field loves to speak in acronyms. So if you know anyone in special education or in healthcare, we all love to just talk in acronyms. And it's mm-hmm. like a foreign language to most people. <laughs> So, um, and so we kind of come and come alongside, we write the life plan. We prioritize the life plan to make sure that we're meeting the needs, um, you know, the immediate needs, which of course are always the things that take precedence are housing, um, you know, housing, which also includes utilities, food and medical care. So we make sure that the family has those three things in place first. And then we we um, tackle kind of those secondary things of like, um, you know, just building social activities, mm-hmm. finding caregivers, helping people um, find jobs that are going to help to fit the, you know, the right dynamic, helping people find college programs that, that, you know, people with disabilities who are interested in Mm -hmm. um, post-secondary education. And so, um, and so we kind of guide and, and help them get the right resources and then teach them how to, how to actually obtain those resources. Wow. That's a lot. So do families then stay with you for a while or is it more of a, you help them address the issue they go on their way, use their life plan to guide them um, for a few years or whatever, and then yeah. they pop back in when something changes? 
Yes. So the, the short answer is we are with our families for a lifetime. Okay. <laughs> so that is, we are there for the long haul. Um, and so when it, when a family enters, you know, into, into a partnership with us, we, we tell them that we are your team for life, right? Okay. Like we come alongside them. Um, they will go through seasons where they need a lot mm-hmm. um, in some seasons. And then if we can kind of get them in the groove of following the life plan and doing the things that they need to do, it prevents a lot of those emergencies because what we try to do is we try to try to help them. Like we have discovered the pattern uh, that that special needs and disability families go through, and so we're able to foresee problems before before families ever even know that they're yeah. going to exist. Yeah. And so we try to put those preventative measures in place um, ahead of time. So that we're, you know, so that we get on wait lists, so that we're completing applications, we're looking for funding, we're helping, you know, we're helping the parent of a of a 13 or 14 year old look to the future of what does, you know, what does post high school look like, mm-hmm. like those kind of things, you know, what is going to happen when the parents are 80 and their child has a developmental disability who is, you know, 55 or 60, yeah. and you know, we we got a plan for that for, you know, unfortunately for that end of life of the parents, like how is your child how we're going to live independently. So, um, you know, so we really try to uh, try to bridge that gap of like, we're going to be here for a lifetime. And sometimes they're a little bit more needy. And then sometimes that will kind of back off and they might not really need us for, you know, six or eight months. And then all of a sudden they'll, they'll need to check back in with us. But we do try to get our, our parents in a, um, you know, just kind of a pattern of checking in with us every three months. And then what we, we have a ton of family coordinators who are assigned only for a four family caseload. And so our family coordinators are very intentional about making sure that they're checking in with those families every single month to make sure that the needs haven't changed to see if there's anything they need to communicate to us about, you know, changing needs or if there is an emergency that arises or things like that. Um, And so it it really is, you know, we do try to check in with them regularly Mm -hmm. um, to make sure that everything is going well and everything is going as planned. So, okay. but yeah, yeah, for a, a lifetime, that's how yeah. long. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so 120 families now, and that has, I mean, that's really just in about what, 15 months yeah. or so. Wow. Yeah. What, uh, do you have some short and long-term goals for the number of families that you hope to reach and support? Yeah, well, so so in Cobb County alone, there are about 13,000 kids that are served in special education. Huge number. Yeah, wow. <laughs> so our long-term goal is to reach everybody. I know that's mm-hmm. a huge vision. <laughs> and, you know, and that 13,000 in Cobb County only accounts for kids in kindergarten through 12th grade. Yes. Right? And so that's not even counting all of the adults and all of those um, preschool, you know, toddler age kids mm-hmm. that are, are, you know, living and working and, and being part of Cobb County. Right. Um, and so, so it's a significant number. And so we do yes. hope to be able to, you know, to kind of meet those needs, um, you know, short-term goals obviously are always um, just, just building our teams and, and, you know, continuing to recruit those family coordinators and things like that so yes. that we can have the bandwidth to serve yeah, you know, twenty thousand people or whatever. Right, right. So, you have to have the infrastructure in place because yeah. you you don't want to turn anyone away, nor do you want a family to experience 
a less than ideal service level. I'm Absolutely. sure you have yeah. very and high. We are trying to kind of grow it as slowly as yes. we can. <laughs> you know, I know that sounds strange, but um, but growing it as as slowly as we can because there's just so many um, so many families that are really really hurt by. Um, you know, organizations and, and schools. I mean, there, there really are a lot of, of hurtful situations that come across where people are like, oh yeah, we want to help. And then, you know, like you said, it's, it, it's you know, the people out of the best intentions try to be helpful. Yes. But then whenever they can't provide what they're promising to provide, then it can be, you know, it can kind of turn into a harmful um, emotional yeah. situation for families. So we definitely want to try to prevent that as much as possible. Right. Well, Jillian, you mentioned it um, a few minutes ago about mental health, and ultimately this is a podcast about mental health, and I'm imagining that you and your team of family coordinators, you're dealing with caregiver stress and mental health conditions, right? Yeah. Um, burnout, all of that. And then you've got your the um, the clients at the core of it who may have some co-occurring mental health conditions. Absolutely. Um, and as you said, mental health itself can be a debilitating disability in some circum- circumstances. So, how does Together We Care address that? Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so there really are two, two areas kind of under this umbrella. It is the caregivers, right? The, the parents, the family members who are Mm -hmm. caring for the loved one that has the disability and they do suffer so much, um, you know, unfortunately, and I'm not sure why the media doesn't ever pick this up because you would think it would be a huge news story, but, um, but the number of, uh, and sadly of, um, suicide homicides that happen, Wow. Among among special needs families, because um, especially for families who have a child that have has like a type of behavior disorder or they mm-hmm. have aggressive behaviors, things like that. And the parents just don't know where to turn. They they mm-hmm. literally just don't. They, they're not. And they're just so exhausted. Right. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. and they just do. They do um, really suffer from a lot of depression, a lot of anxiety, a lot of, um, you know, just just not just isolation. Um, mm-hmm. Is one of the biggest things that we deal with because um because there is a, a good bit of inclusion and community for um you know families who have kind of like that preschool or early elementary age mm-hmm. child um it is it is hard for harder for families who have a child with a diagnosed um emotional disorder or behavioral disorder but um there are several supports for people in that space to be able to be included in uh, you know even just like a soccer league or a baseball yeah, league right. you know in school and and school groups and things like that, there is more inclusion happening in that it kind of in that age group. What we have seen is that as the the child ages up into those middle and high school years, what happens is that the developmental gaps begin to grow between um, between the child and their peers, right? So then there's a little bit of a disconnect that happens. And so the mom or the dad who is used to taking their kid to the adapted sports league on Saturdays, 
starts to starts to kind of become disconnected from, you know, from the other other parents, right? Mm-hmm. Because the other parents then are talking about what are we doing with advanced placement classes? What are we doing yeah. with honors classes? What are we doing about prom? What are we doing about, you know, dual enrollment? And a yeah. lot of the families that we serve aren't having those conversations. No. And so so you begin to see this kind of disconnect with the world around them. And then the isolation sets in. And then they're really not sure where to go. And then kind of the next unfortunate step of the pattern is that once their kids graduate from high school, then there is a significant increase in isolation mm-hmm. because now they have built their, um, you know, their world around the support system at school through the special education. And many times, especially if you have um, kids with it, like medical, um, medical disabilities or um, <clears throat> excuse me, or physical disabilities, um, you will, you will find a lot, they have like good medical support, you know, through mm-hmm. the pediatrician or they, uh, you know, have to go to children's health care of Atlanta for surgeries all the time. So they know all the nurses, like, you know, so they kind yeah, of right. almost build this like medical support team that's there to emotionally support them as well. Well, what happens is um, if your child qualifies for, um, you know, to, to stay in school, they can stay in school until they're at 21. Mm-hmm. Um, they can also attend the pediatrician, the same pediatrician's office and, you know, the children's uh, children's hospitals and all of that until they're 21. And then on the 21st birthday, literally families lose all of the support that they have known for the last 21 years overnight. Wow. And unfortunately, um, we haven't quite found the right way to equip the school system or the medical professionals in how to help with that transition. Transition. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, they're just not having those conversations because they're trying to to manage the day to day and the mm-hmm. week to week and what are the goals this month. And so they're not helping these families envision what that transition looks like after 21. And so I get a lot of phone calls from parents who are like, oh, my gosh, I just went to a meeting at the school and they told me, you know, it's, it's April. And they told me that next month, my kid can't come back to school anymore. <laughs> so yeah, I don't yeah. know, what, are, what are we supposed to do? And no one right. has told them, you know, and, and, and the realization sets in that they are going to have to quit their jobs to stay home, or they're going to have to find care for their loved one who can't stay by themselves all That's day or right. whatever. And so, um, and so it, it, they do become very isolated in their homes. And, sure. um, and so then that's where we really begin to see um, a significant increase in those mental health um, concerns mm-hmm. with, you know, with, with people just, you know, they, especially if they have to step away from their career, because at least uh, kind of emotionally and socially that the parent had that, that career piece of Other, their identity, yeah. mm-hmm. you, you know, right. and, um, and so then that gets stripped away as well, because now they truly have to become a 24 seven caregiver. And, um, and unfortunately the divorce rate among special needs families is up at like 80 Wow. And so the majority of our households are one parent households. And so mm-hmm. then it's like this snowball, like they have to, they have to step away from their job or, you know, and, and, and honestly, um, COVID was a blessing and a curse, right? Because what it created for special needs families is the blessing part of it is that it created a lot of remote jobs, which is great mm-hmm. <laughs> because, mm-hmm. because right. if these families can get a remote job to continue bringing in income for the household, then that's great. Yes. Um, if they're in a field where a remote job is not a possibility, then they are literally left to like, okay, we're going to have to 
to live in poverty because yeah. we don't have any way of creating income for ourselves right now. And so, um, you know, and so that, so we do see a lot of, of, um, you know, just depression and, and people just not sure. knowing where to turn. Um, I, you know, I have to, I have to unfortunately hear a lot of stories where parents will call and say, I'm at the point where I don't know what to do with my child. And I, I think I'm going to take them to the hospital and drop them off. Oh and, my gosh. And that oh. is a, that is a reality of yeah. our families, unfortunately, um, because they just don't feel like there's any answers. And mm-hmm. so, um, and they know, probably and then, see that, that there's no end to it, right? Every absolutely. day is going to be. That's repeat. right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Because, because the realization sets in when they turn 21 and, you know, and the parent might be in their, you know, their forties or fifties and, um, and they, and they go, oh my gosh, this is, this is our reality for the next 50 years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, right. and, and what are we supposed to do about this? And so, um, so there are a lot of, you know, a lot of uh, personal stories that have been shared with us about people who just don't, don't know what to do. And so they, they're dropping kids off, you know, at the fire station or at the hospital, or, you know, they find places where they think people will take care of them, mm-hmm. um, you know, or, um, again, like I mentioned, there are some, you know, some homicide, suicide um, instances that we've had yeah. to deal with, you know, that um, where, where a parent just, you know, I hate to be so graphic, but they, but, um, they just can't take it. And so yes. they, they end up, you know, killing their child and then can, and then turning around and killing right. themselves. Um, and so it is, it is, a, it is, it, 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 the, the mental health part of it really does plague the parents. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, as you mentioned, the people that, that have the disabilities themselves, you know, whether they be a child or adult, um, also experience that same type of isolation, right? Where mm-hmm. once they, you know, once the, the gaps grow, we begin to see that as they get older, the friendship circles begin to shrink significantly, you know, in middle and high school. Um, and and then, you know, and if they if they are not good with, uh, you know, with virtual things or with texting or, you know, those types of things, then you can forget friendships because that's mm-hmm. how, you know, that's how our middle and high school is uh, high school now is yeah. through social media and texting and that sort of thing. And um, and so then once they lose that school support and once they lose the pediatrician that they've always known, um then, you know, what, what are they supposed to do? And, um, and, and the, you know, I can't remember the exact statistic for the amount of of people who are, um, who have disabilities, who are actually working. And it's not because they don't want to work and it's not Mm -hmm. because they can't work. It's because there are very few organizations out there who are good about finding what a person is really passionate about doing and then mm-hmm. creating a job that that yeah. allows them to do you know to, to kind of function and what they're good at mm-hmm. um, you know a lot of a lot of the um, job support things kind of pigeonhole people into working at goodwill bagging groceries doing yeah. um, you know kind of some of the um, you know some of those types of jobs that are that are uh, I, I guess they see them as easy like I don't know or, yeah <laughs> bagging groceries isn't easy for everybody if you're not no. good at it. <laughs> no exactly yeah. So, um, okay. so yeah, so yeah. we do see a lot of our, a lot of our adults with disabilities and, and also like that elderly population as well, um, that we serve, you know, they, they just, there, there is a disconnect for them because, um, everything is so technology related and oftentimes, um, our, our elderly population who is dealing with aging disabilities, mm-hmm. they're not very, you know, tech 
tech savvy um, yeah. and things like that. And so they just get really lonely, you know, sure. just the loneliness sets in. And, and that was the, the curse part of COVID is that that just exacerbated everything, you know, the loneliness and the, um, the depression and things like that, that they were already feeling right. um, just made that a hundred times worse. Exactly. Um, I mean, you need connections to keep those synapses firing and wiring um, in in your brain, no matter what age you are. Um, That's right. That's right. So, so, well, um, Jillian, a lot of people, a lot of our listeners and a lot of people in our community really do care about this issue, but they may not know how they can demonstrate their care and their support. So how can people be involved with helping those with disabilities who are struggling either with mental health concerns or with, um, you know, just kind of the patterns of of life, meaningful employment, meaningful relationships, meaningful connections? Yeah, well, I would say the the first thing is just become intentional and don't be afraid, um, but become intentional to to befriend somebody that has a disability. Um, You know, now, nowadays with, uh, you you know, with with the autism rates rising, it's like one in 46 children now has autism, Um, you know, the the rates of disabilities are, are quickly rising. And so you don't have to go very far to get to know a family yeah. <laughs> as a yeah. child with a disability, you know? Um, and so, you know, I would say befriend a person that has a disability or, you know, just befriend a family, maybe a parent or somebody mm-hmm. so that we can all better understand the lived experience of people that have disabilities and just ask how you can help. Um, you know, I, and, and I will say that a lot of families do, do suffer from decision burnout <laughs> because they okay. have to make so many decisions on a regular basis that sometimes they don't know how to tell you how they, they need, like, I don't yeah. know, I, you yeah. know what I mean? They're so exhausted. They don't know how to tell you right. what they can delegate. <laughs> you know? yeah. So, yeah. so that's where we can come in. Like, um, you know, just find organizations like ours where, where you can volunteer, or like, I know, like our, our organization is constantly looking for paid caregivers. So if anybody has extra time in the month where they want to have a, an additional part-time job, you know, then mm-hmm. that would be, that's a, that's a good way to get to know a family and kind of come in and help. Um, and, you know, and, and they're, they're paid good. <laughs> so okay. You want to you make some extra money, you know, you can call us and we can put you to work as a caregiver. Um, and, and, you know, but just the, the bottom line is really just get to know somebody with a disability and, and mm-hmm. begin to invite them, you know, yeah. invite them to your birthday party, invite them to your soccer game, invite them to do, you know, to your church, like invite them to be part of the things that you have access to, um, mm-hmm. because so often they just don't have access to the same things that we do. And so I think that's a great way to, um, you know, to just kind of just, just one person at a time. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Well, and as you were talking, Jillian, I was thinking, I mean, if you just look at probably at the street you live on or the neighborhood you you live in with the rates of of autism and disabilities, chances are good that there's at least a family, if not more. And so, you know, maybe simple things like a bouquet of fresh flowers. Yes. Um, a meal. You know, I left mean, a, a meal yeah. thing. You yeah. know, I'm thinking about you. And, um, you know, I'll let's schedule a time and I'll bring coffee next time or something like that. Yes. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's the little things like that, that really matter, you know, even connecting with people on, on, you know, on social media or something and just mm-hmm. sending them a private message that says happy birthday. And when you yeah. see that it's yeah. your birthday on, on Facebook or something, you know, that really means the world to the families that we support. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Well, Jillian, as our time draws to a close, is there anything that I didn't ask you that I should have? No, I think this was so great. Um, was, yeah, this is yeah. great. I will add, um, I, I want to just share two other little quick statistics is that um, that most people don't realize that 20% of the American population has a disability, um, many of which are hidden, they're, which means they're, they're not going to be disabilities that you can see by looking mm-hmm. at a person. Um, and so the numbers are high. And, and so yes. like you said, you know, one in every five households yeah. in your neighborhood has a person with a disability <laughs> living there. Right, you know? right. And, um, you know, and also, you know, for people who are kind of drawn to help um, the homeless population too, about 42% of the, of the homeless population is made up of people with disabilities. Wow. As well. And mm-hmm. so when we can catch these families early on and, you know, befriend them and put those supports in place, that it just has a ripple effect that is, um, you know, that is massive. And so, um, you know, so yeah, so just wanted to throw those statistics out there too, so that people can put those in their back pocket. (laughs) Absolutely. Thank you. I, that's really good information for the collaborative as well, since we have a homelessness awareness team. Um, I'm going to bring this back to our volunteer chair and see, you know, wow, we are, are we aware of this? What do we need to do with this? So yeah, Absolutely. Um, well, Jillian, what a pleasure to learn more about Together We Care, to be overwhelmed by all that you do, the families that you serve, the 120 plus families, and I know that number is probably growing every single day, are so fortunate to have you in their corner, advocating loving, supporting, connecting all that you do for them. So I'm so glad we are able to raise awareness and spread some opportunities for people to get involved. Um, And as you were going back to our conversation, when you were talking about church um, and, you know, and obviously the place where we want everybody to feel welcome, you know, as we say in the South, y'all really needs to mean y'all. That's right. That's right. So, and, and what can we do to make sure that everyone does feel welcome and included and valued? Every human being has dignity. Yeah, um, absolutely. So. Yeah. And we're here to here to help with all of that. So if okay. you, you know, if anyone listening has has, you know, places where they're where they work or where they attend a worship service or something where they need assistance in helping mm-hmm. to create those inclusive infrastructures. Um, counseling centers is another area where, where we're kind of lacking um, in that in that space um, with treating people who have developmental disabilities and um, mental health diagnoses as well. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of counseling centers won't see them. Yeah. So, you know, creating places and counseling centers for inclusive infrastructure and things like that too, we can also assist with those uh, those types of projects. So, all right. Yeah. Well, we will drop your website and contact information in the show notes. And uh, thank you. Thank you once again, Jillian, for all that you're doing. Yeah, and it's, it's it's our honor to do it, and I so appreciate you having me on today, um, and just all that the COP Collaborative is doing to connect all of us and uh, and just keep us where we're supporting supporting people. Yeah, absolutely. And listeners, thank you for tuning in today. 
And to be sure that you don't miss any future episodes, please subscribe to our Mind Your Mind Speaks podcast. Also, we ask that you leave us a review on Apple. Until next time, remember there is no health without mental health. Please mind your mind and keep an eye on the loved ones in your lives.